your opportunity to listen and learn from the most successful people driving growth and success in Palm Beach County and beyond. Welcome to the Business in Paradise Palm Beach podcast with Carrie Stamp, founder of Carrie Stamp and Company, Principled Wealth Advisors. Carrie and his guests share stories and insights from Palm Beach County's most successful executives, entrepreneurs, and community leaders. Learn how they made it to where they are today, what principles guide them, how they mentor others to achieve success, and more. My name is Kerry Stamp, and you're listening to the Business in Paradise podcast. I have a fantastic guest today. We have Tim Burke, who is a publisher and senior vice president of LRP Publications and the former publisher of the Palm Beach Post. Tim, welcome to Business in Paradise. Kerry, thank you for having me. It's, uh, it's great to spend some time with you. It's we we've known each other incidentally over the years, but I've never really had an opportunity to d- delve into your history, where you're from, what you're about, and how you got into the role uh, that you uh, eventually exited from a few years ago from the Palm Beach Post. So, Tim, tell me a little bit about your history. How did where are you from, and how'd you get to Florida? Sure. Um, you know, we, we I know we had intended to cover some of this ground in a, a breakfast uh, shortly before uh, the pandemic. So uh, I'm, I'm happy to resume or pick up that conversation. I was, uh, well, I was born and raised on the opposite side of the coast, a place that you are familiar with. Uh, I grew up uh, born and raised in Los Angeles. So born in Glendale and, and, and lived, uh, lived my formative years through the middle of high school. I went to high school, my first high school in uh, Pasadena, and then uh, and then we moved. My family, my father uh, <clears throat> worked for the Department of Labor for the U.S. government. We moved up to the San Francisco Bay Area, where I uh, I finished high school. So so I uh, I'm a Californian at heart. I'm uh, far far away from home, but I've been in Florida for so long. This this clearly is is my is my second home. I love living living here in a great place and. Uh, and this is where my two daughters were, were, uh, were born and raised as well. And a little known fact about me, most people don't realize this. A lot of people know that I'm from Iowa, but they don't realize that I actually went to the University of Southern California. And uh, I only spent one year out there. I went on a uh, debate scholarship, and there was a little bit of a cultural clash coming from uh, farm country in the Midwest to uh, diving right into uh, Los Angeles. And so I eventually, I love LA and I love California, but I knew that it wasn't going to be a place where I wanted to spend the rest of my life. So I'm glad to be back here in Paradise too in South Florida. How did you get from California to Florida? What, what brought you down here? It, it was through my, my career, my job as, as uh, in newspapers. I, um, it, I, I did leave California. Uh, I graduated from high school and since I was, uh, very, very young, about eight years old, again, growing up in L.A. and reading the Los Angeles Times and especially uh, noted famed sports columnist Jim Murray. I kind of knew early on what I wanted to do. I, I love sports and I loved English. I love words. I love writing. So I, I left uh, home after high school and sight unseen, dropped myself in the middle of the country at the University of Missouri, which... Uh, Back then, there really were no high school advisors, so I, I knew what I wanted to do. And and uh, my uncle uh, whispered in my ear somehow, some way he he learned about the University of Missouri. So that was the 
the uh, the best J school uh, in the country. It uh, was the is the world's first school of journalism. So I said that's good enough for me. Hopped on a plane. I'd never been on campus, and that's where I started. And graduated from the University of Missouri. First newspaper job was at a Gannett, a smaller paper in Springfield, Missouri. Again, starting out in sports journalism. Went to work in Dallas, newspaper in Dallas, Texas. Went from Dallas to work at the Miami Herald. And then uh, went from the Miami Herald up, up the coast to the Palm Beach Post and with Cox Enterprises out of Atlanta. So that's how I ended up here. At what point do you stop just being a sports journalist? Were, were you still writing the sports when you're in Miami? I was. I Yes, I, um, I spent, you know, I guess the first maybe 15 or so years in, in, in the sports universe, uh, if you, if you will. And, and it was just a, a fantastic ride. Uh, no, absolutely no regrets. Um, had the opportunity to attend and, and cover and run to, uh, some of the world's greatest sporting events. Uh, you can imagine had, had, had the good fortune of hiring incredibly talented people many of whom are still obviously still working and applying their trade at the likes of the New York Times and the Washington Post, just great, great people. I had the opportunity to hire way back when, when we were all younger. And then at the Palm Beach Post, I did make the transition from sports over to the other side of the newsroom. Again, grow, growing up in the newsroom on the journalistic side and, uh, and, and, you know, worked my way into management positions there. Ultimately, I was the executive editor of the Palm Beach Post, and then uh, shortly after that, I became publisher of the of the entire operation. Somewhere along the line, uh, in that in that in in my route to to publisher, I, I was tapped uh, to literally start the digital transformation and operation of the Palm Beach Post. So I remember hiring uh, our first digital employee, and we didn't have a website at the time. So so that that so I did a lot of different things. Uh, after I left sports uh, and was so fortunate to have those opportunities. And then ultimately I didn't go to business school. I don't have a business degree. So, so there was a lot of uh, uh, learning on the job, which I thought was just absolutely uh, so, so uh, rewarding and invigorating. And I had some great mentors and great bosses along the way. In the Palm Beach Post, as far as the digital version, one of the first things that I do in the morning is I get up and I've got the Post app on my phone. There's actually two apps. One's to read the newspaper, and the other one is to read the updates. I think it's called Post Now. Right. And so I would say until about a year and a half ago, I would periodically go on, I'd read an article, and they weren't charging me anything. And then it got to the point where it said, uh, you've exceeded your number of articles uh, for this year, you need to pay for a subscription. So I'm now <laughs> happily paying for the digital <laughs> subscription. Whoever put that strategy in place knew that the uh, news addicted people would be willing to pay and uh, they're getting my money. It's, so. Exactly, exactly. And uh, yeah, so so I... I uh, it has been a fascinating journey in the digital space from, again, way back when that started around 2000 and um, to see where it is now today versus, versus back then, uh, it's, it's, it's light years. Um, but with that, Carrie, and, you know, we can talk about it down, down the road on, on this podcast, perhaps, and when we talk about the business of, of journalism and the business of newspapers, with it has come a great 
opportunity to expand the reach and audience of, of a newspaper. But the, the, the business challenge and the business platform and the way you make your revenue in, in media, it, 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 it changed completely, almost completely. So, so what worked in the past doesn't work today and in the future. And that is, that's, that has been the, the, big, the big challenge for, for, for those who run traditional media businesses. I think a lot of people are finding that out right now, Tim, especially with what's going on with this pandemic and how it's changed all of us and how we work and interact with each other. But I want you to take me back for a second. So you're, you're 20 years old. You're living in the lovely hamlet of Columbia, Missouri, and you're studying journalism. And you're thinking to yourself, I'm going to go out and conquer the world as a sports writer. Did where you ended up today, was that ever in the vision that you had however many years ago that was? Never, never, which I think is, is a, great, a great story or background or lesson, which, which uh, you, you can trust I share with my daughters because you never know and you always want to keep your options obviously open. Um, you want to become, and, uh, you, know, uh, you know, that cliche, you want to become a lifelong learner. Don't stop. Don't stop learning, and then, and be you know be flexible and adaptable and et cetera, et cetera. So, the short answer was no. I thought I wanted to be a sports editor, so I started out as a sports writer and a copy editor, and did a lot of that great. I mean, it was fantastic training, and I I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, and then I became a sports editor, and then I, with absolutely no regrets working with great people, some of whom are still here at the Post, some who've retired, some who've moved on. Uh, but at some point, right, you, you start thinking, I had an inkling, I had an itch that I, that, that there, I wanted to expand my horizons, if you will. And uh, so I always, I always say it's not for everybody and there's not a right or a wrong, but in my particular instance, um, by expanding those horizons, it just, it just opened up a whole new world. And allowed me to do some some things that I I didn't know that I could I could do and and of course working with fantastic people who are are the ones who who actually determine how successful you're going to be uh, I just worked with so many great people in in our, in my newspaper life it, it, it's it's just countless 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 outstanding uh, people and Tim I want to follow up on that because a few minutes ago you mentioned that you had some really really fantastic mentors along the way. And I think that's true for everybody that's become successful in any type of endeavor that there have been some people that helped them along the way. Are there one or two that you can think of that really made an impact on who you've become and your journey and how did you find those people or did they find you and what was that like working with them yeah there's there's a yeah gosh i have quite a few and and i won't list them all because i i consider myself to be so fortunate but there was a mentor early on and i had just uh, again i'm a young journalist working in the sports department in dallas the newspaper that back then we had two newspapers in dallas it was it was really a, it was so invigorating and exciting when cities, people don't remember this, but a lot of cities had two newspapers. You, you certainly, with your background, you, you know what I'm talking about. But I was, I was new to the, the newspaper in Dallas, was 20, 20 something and intimidated to some degree, not overly confident, certainly to a large degree. 
thought I could do it. But there was a managing editor, I believe, at the time. He came in from San Francisco. So we shared the, the commonality of California. He came in from California. He was a Stanford guy. I grew up in LA. So speaking of USC, I was always a big USC guy. So so we had, we, we struck a, just a, it had nothing to do with work, but we struck a chord and he, and he took, he took to me. And, and at that point it was, there was actually nothing structured. This was not a structured mentorship, but his name is Peter Badia. He is still in the business. He's now the executive editor of the Detroit Free Press. Just sent him a note the other day. It's not like we, we touch base every day anymore, but I just wanted him to know and reinforce how important he was in my early career. And he just took to to making sure I was okay, making sure he, and his words gave me confidence. His his attention gave me gave me uh, confidence that I that I could do this, that I could work at a big paper uh, at a at a at a young age. Uh, so Peter was was one early on. There was a um, a couple of, a couple of mentors, or so many of them, when I was working uh, at the uh, at the Palm Beach Post. I, w- I would mention one of my latest bosses by the name of Mike uh, Joseph, and he was a tough boss in a good way. And kind of on the exterior, some 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 uh, some found him to be intimidating, which I shared with him, and 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 uh, he just never could understand that. But uh, in, in, again, in a positive way. But my first conversation with him when. When I came under his wing, he told me, he's, he said this, I remember this to this day. He said, Tim, I'm going to help you. And here's how I'm going to help you. My number one commitment to you is your growth and your development. It's not about me. It's about you. And so I, I uh, and he committed to that. And so the lesson there was not, he was not only making me a you know, a better, obviously, executive as publisher and helping me on with business acumen, as I mentioned, I didn't go to business school. So, but I also, from through that and through him, learned the importance of passing it on and sharing that and making sure that my executive team around me, that I in turn gave them the same kind of attention around growth and development. And, uh, those are two. There are there are other there are others uh, that that would take up uh, you know another podcast because it's so so fortunate. Tim, that's uh, it's really beautiful when uh, somebody shows gratitude for the people that have helped them along the way. I run family meetings with families that we work with, and a lot of times we get the parents together with their kids. And one of the first things that we talk about is the whole concept of gratitude and sharing the fact that people have helped us along the way in recognizing and reaching out. I have a practice that at least once a year, at least once a year, I'll reach out to somebody that along my journey has been instrumental or helpful and just either call them or send them a thank you note or something. And sometimes I haven't talked to these people in 20 or 25 years, right? but they get so much satisfaction and I get so much satisfaction for recognizing the impact that they've had uh, on my life. So I think that's fantastic. It's they, amazing, uh, Carrie. It is amazing, yeah. the effect. And, and, and I think at the time, especially when you're younger, you, you're, you're not fully cognizant of, of the impact and the, and the effect. And, and I really, I could, uh, I won't go into great detail, but, but uh, there's another name. Uh, his name is Bob Neal. And at the time, 
when I was under his wing, he was the president of Cox Radio, and and uh, he taught me all about marketing. And number one, he put me in, he actually hired me into the job of publisher, which which again was an unusual hire given my my lack of 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 I didn't have a business group degree. So he took a chance on me. He showed confidence in me, and he and I learned so much from him about marketing and research and and giving giving your customers what they what they need. Um, just so many, so many great examples that, you know, the current CEO of Cox Enterprises, that's a $20 billion super fifth, I guess they're on the fifth generation family business. Alex Taylor was another one of my bosses. He turned the editorship over to me and said, you, you know, you can do it. I believe in you. And he was a forward thinker. So I learned from him kind of reinforced the importance of, of looking, looking ahead, looking ahead. Don't look behind, look ahead. And uh, we need to we need to adapt. We need to change. Uh, so these are these are just great great lessons and great mentors. Tim, so our our listeners can decide whether or not they like you. Uh, since you're in the sports business for a long time, will you just share with us who your teams are? <laughs> well, I am still loyal. To, uh, again, growing up in Los Angeles uh, and Laker fan, I guess first and foremost. Uh, the Rams, because they left as a kid, I was a big, big Rams fan. Then they left and went to St. Louis, which is uh, because of where I went to school and, and where my wife is from and where I have a bunch of relatives actually in St. Louis. That's kind of my second or third home, however you want to uh, uh, call that. But uh, so the Rams are not not at the top anymore. But the Dodgers and the uh, the Dodgers and the Lakers uh, and and the and the Trojans, not not the Bruins. No way, not the Bruins. No, no way. There's yeah, it's an either or, so yeah. it's it's the uh, U.S. the Dodgers and the Lakers. Yeah, all right, awesome. So uh, Tim, I want to go back now to you leave Miami, you come to the Palm Beach Post. Are you changing the uh, publishing companies that you're working for at that time when you take the Post job? Uh, yes, at the time, again, we're we're going back many years. You know, the Miami Herald was at the time was part of the Knight Ritter group, which. No, no longer exists technically. It's now McClatchy, but uh, yeah. And then went to work for the Post, which which until a year before I left the Post, they 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 were owned by Cox Enterprises out of Atlanta, the family business I mentioned, uh, and just just an amazing. There's a reason I stayed with the Post for so long. That was not my intention. I I certainly like others had opportunities, other opportunities to keep moving around, but I. The, the Cox was a just an amazing company to work for, and so uh, that's who that's who owned us for the, the, just about my entire time uh, at the Palm Beach Post. So we have perspective. What year did you get there to the Post? Well, I was there for I I left. I thought it was a good round number, so twenty five years. Uh, I left last year, so twenty five years. If the end of ninety three, beginning of ninety four. So if you say nine ninety four through two thousand and I guess it was 19. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so what were you doing when you started there? At the post, I, that was my first job running a sports department. So I was, I was in, in Miami working in sports as a, as a, as a deputy sports editor, if you will. And then uh, I was, again, my, my goal going back to our previous uh, comments and conversation, my goal was to become a sports department in a, in a good size market. And, uh, and so this opportunity came about. I was hired, another great mentor. I was hired by Tom O'Hara 
appeared to be to be sports editor and that's 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 where we started and we were it was an amazing uh, uh opportunity the the post was was had uh, we were so super spoiled had everything was growing at the time the county was was growing the business of journalism was growing newspapers everything was growing and we had unbelievable resources we had resources that most major city like didn't have uh, so super fortunate and uh, that's where we started at the Palm Beach Post running and the sports department so you're running the sports department and then what's the progression of your career with the post that you end up being the publisher well the progression would be so executive sports editor to assistant managing editor slash digital because that's when we started the, the digital operation and that's where I started uh, to learn about uh, the importance of digital and technology in, in, in our business. Then I moved over to the news side. So I became the deputy managing editor. And then I moved upstairs to run digital for the entire newspaper as I forget what the title was, VP for all things digital for lack of better uh, uh, words. Then I became executive editor and then I became publisher. Okay. And so 25 years in one job. In 2019, you moved to uh, LRP uh, Publications to work for a guy that I've known for a very long time, or work, work with a guy that I've right. known for a very long time, Ken Khan, and a great team uh, that he's put together over, I don't know, the last 15 or 20 years since I've been watching Ken do what he does. Tell us what prompted that move and what you saw as the opportunity with LRP. Well, I think what prompted that move was, uh, again, I thought 25 years was a good round number. <laughs> and, uh, uh, and, and, you know, we had been sold the previous year after, after working for Cox. The, the year after we were sold, there was, uh, you know, the, the company that bought us was, was very good to me and to us. So, so no, re- no reflection there. Um, but I had, you know, I had, I had always wanted to do something outside of newspapers. So very fortunate and grateful that I had the chance to do a myriad of, of jobs within, within the newspaper business, which I've, which I've articulated. But I have always wanted to do something outside the newspaper business. I've, I've like I said, a couple opportunities had come on before. I didn't, I didn't the, the timing wasn't right. So, so that part of it, I always wanted to do something outside the newspaper business when the, when the time was right. So I thought the time was right. And I knew Ken through business circles, and um, but at the same time, I didn't know everything about LRP because I, you know, I hadn't switched companies for quite a long time. So I enjoyed the the prospect of a new challenge. I enjoyed again going back to that the idea of learning something new and different. You know, when you're in your fifties, I, I thought that was that was very intriguing to me. So even though LRP, it's LRP, yeah, you know, I I think. Technically, Ken had changed the name of the company as we got more involved in digital. So LRP Media Group now. I, 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 uh, so there is some commonality there, but uh, it's in the B2B world. And so we have, I, you know, I run our media products and the human resources uh, uh, vertical for us. That's the magazine. That's the website. It's newsletters. It's, it's et cetera. And also LRP and Ken has built, a, a, you know, an events business around human resources. So we... We're, I've, been, I've been to the HR technology conference in Las Vegas with Ken. Yes, yes. So, so you've seen you have seen that. So that 
that falls under me too, as well as on the, you know, especially on the programming side. So I've, and I've learned just in shortly over a year, both live last year, and then now we're, you know, we're going virtual. I've learned so much uh, in terms of that side of the business that, and that's, I mean, we're talking 10,000 plus attendees to, you know, the world's largest conference and expo for HR technology. So it is, uh, yeah. So it's been fascinating to, to learn Again, learn learn uh, something new. Apply some of what I've learned in my other business and in my other jobs. Apply that in this space. The media products that's that's that is a little more like riding a bike. But but you know we are the folks. The team is doing some great work and and on that front as well. So and how the media products and the conference and our events uh, kind of co-mingle, if you will, and work together. We pay a lot of attention to that as well. So. So it's a, it's been yeah it's been exactly what I, I I expected in terms of what I desired was a good time to to make that uh, make that pivot good time to apply some of what I've learned uh, both from the journalistic the digital and the business side into a new company and a new opportunity. Tim, uh, one of the things that I also find is a, a fairly common thing among really successful people is that for the most part, they go full throttle, whether it's in their work life or their personal life. And the big challenge is always the ability to balance your work life with your personal life. Uh, You mentioned two daughters. You mentioned Mrs. Burke. Tell us what uh, life is like at the uh, Burke home and what's going on. Where are your daughters now? Sure. Yeah. Uh, and I will be the first one to admit uh, uh, that that the work-life balance, I, 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 I learned that's, that was part of my learning curve as well. I, uh, yeah, as you know, I mean, you know, many of us are wired uh, similarly in terms of go, go, go. And, and certainly if you're in the newspaper business, no matter what your job is, you know, that is a 24-7 proposition. So, so I, I did try to do much better in that uh, as I as I as I kind of learned and, and grew with with my jobs and opportunities. So yeah, I have two two daughters. Um, one is um, again both born and raised uh, in Florida. Brenna is is my oldest, and she is a uh, a teacher uh, here in Palm Beach County. Most recently with uh, Pinecrest in uh, Boca Raton. And my other daughter, and my, my oldest is a, is a gator, so I mentioned that because until you move to Florida and understand it, you don't really know what that means. But, but for those listening, you know, and I just say she's a gator, everybody would under, understand what that means. It's a, it's a yeah, <laughs> growing up in L.A., it's a different kind of thing. Your, your affinity and your attachment to your teams, although intense, it's nothing like being a gator. It's so, and uh, my other daughter, my younger daughter, she um, she's now, I guess, a I would say recent, still recent, a couple of years out of Columbia. She went away to New York to go to school, and she is now actually she's been in New York since working working for a nonprofit in Harlem. While at the same time, she's a, a budding a songwriter, composer, performer. So she's been living both of those worlds. And so most of her time is, uh, has been, she's been in New York for, since she went up there for school. She's now, she actually is now in, in St. Louis during the uh, pandemic walking. She can still work remotely and, and, and do her music and, and visit some, uh, my wife's family. And my wife is from St. Louis. 
I met my, I met Karen when we were, she actually did try out the journalism thing and decided she didn't want to work until two of the morning uh, every night as a, as a young journalist. So she, she, but I did meet her when she was, uh, we were both working. I was working full-time at my first newspaper job in Springfield, Missouri, and she was going to college in Springfield and was an intern at the newspaper. And then since moving forward, she, uh, she worked for, for many years for Florida Power and Light wow. and, uh, in marketing and communications. In the uh, parallels, I met my wife, whose name is Sharon, not Karen, but Sharon, <laughs> working at the same firm, uh, downtown Chicago. Mm-hmm. So she was also in the financial services uh, industry. And we met sometime in the mid-1990s, and she wanted absolutely nothing to do with me, and I wouldn't leave her alone. So uh, <laughs> right. it, all seemed, it, all, it all seemed to work out. I, uh, uh, I'm fortunate because, so, yeah, my wife, Karen, she... She understands the uh, and understood the journalistic demands, if you will. She was saying that she was a good sport is an understatement, as especially early on when when I mean there were just day upon day upon night upon night where I mean that's just what you did and that's what it took. But uh, yes, but but she understood enough that okay, I I understand, I get that. Hopefully someday he won't work every night until two in the morning. So she's. And if I can follow that vein for just a second, so you're in the midst, I've only been in Palm Beach County for 16 years, but you've been in the midst of the biggest stories that have happened down here. And, and, you know, I call this podcast Business in Paradise because I truly chose to move here. We were leaving the Breakers Hotel one day in November, and I looked at my wife and I said, why are we going back to Chicago? And within a few years, we had a plan and we were able to come back down and live in what I call paradise. But as you think about all the major stories that happened in Palm Beach County on your watch over that 25-year period of time, what would you say were a couple of some of the coolest things or some of the most interesting or, you know, whatever it is, the, the um, most traumatic things maybe that happened sure. in, uh, in journalism in that time? It's a, it's a long list, I guess, fortunately, and in some cases, unfortunately, given the nature of events and news sometimes. But in, in, the 20, in my 25 years, what stands out probably, and, and, and again, just so, I mean, I'm, I'll cover the whole 25 in, in terms of identifying a few, and not all happened literally under my watch. Uh, I, was, I, was, I was publisher in, for the last 10, but I would say number one, I would go back to initially in, in my, when I was running sports, oh my gosh, covering, uh, you know, we covered everything. I mean, you name it, but the Dan Marino was, was for those who've been in this area, Dan Marino was it. I mean, that he's, uh, you know, still, still to this day, along with Don Chula, who just passed the most popular and recognizable sports figures. So I remember the, you know, Dan Marino's retirement. That was, uh, that was, uh, and, and Don Chula's retirement. Those were big deals in the, in this, in the sports, uh, in the sports uh, world on the, uh, on the news side, of course, probably starts with Bush uh, v. Gore. Uh, I mean, wow. I was, uh, I forget what I was doing then. I, I wasn't, I wasn't the editor that was before me, but I was uh, obviously was at the paper and our, our, our folks did an amazing job, but that was, I mean, you talk about a once in a lifetime 
experience of, of at that moment was a top five news event in our country's, you know, I don't know history, but, but certainly most recent history. It was a contested presidential election that went to the Supreme Court. I don't know, I mean, you know, how bigger, how much bigger do you get? Than well, that? yeah, I'm always careful because I'm uh, yeah, yeah. careful of leaving something out and, 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 but yeah, no, I mean, it was, it was no, no disagreement. And that, so I, it was what I think it went on 37 days, I believe. And, and I remember our front pages and, and then to our credit and, and our, another great, another great boss of, of mine, John Bartusik was uh, the editor at the time. And uh, they, they made the right call. They, they didn't call it on that evening. And remember that's back when the print was still kind of the Bible. I mean, digital was, we had digital, but it was just the beginning of it. So what you said in that paper was at midnight, for example, then it goes to the press that was going to be on the doorsteps and you, you can't be wrong. Some newspapers were wrong. They, yeah, that was an unbelievable experience to be, to be in that newsroom. So that was, that certainly, I don't know, the hurricanes, 03 and 04, uh, Francis and Jean and, uh, and, and uh, Wilma and, oh, I mean, still vivid, Again, um, I mean, we were, I really say this proudly, and again, not, not, not because of me, but our, you know, our staff. I mean, I think we were at the forefront of covering and how to cover hurricanes. I mean, the, 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 we were the, we, we set the table in the business, really. I, be, I believe that our staff did. They set the bar. Uh, but another, that was, this goes now a little further back, but uh, we had an amazing investigative reporter of which many of them are still there. It was always a kind of a linchpin of the post. Um, but we had a significant amount of corruption on the county commission. And the Palm Beach Post was, <laughs> that was the outlet that unearthed all the details. And uh, several of them ended up, you know, paying the price, if you will, as a result of what any newspaper, good newspaper should do. And that's hold, hold the power, those in power accountable. So those uh, off the top of my head, those are some, some, those are unforgettable. Those are, those are unforgettable. I vividly remember moving down from Chicago, which people thought the politics in Chicago was a little bit corrupt and (laughs) in arriving in Palm Beach County in 2006 and every other day, there was a story about a Palm Beach County commissioner yeah. that was either involved in a land deal or was doing something shady, mm-hmm. getting paid off, or uh, was going to jail. So that was great coverage. And uh, if we didn't have investigative journalism, you probably would have a lot of things that uh, people get away with that they shouldn't. So there's no question. It's just it's 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 always been that way. And, and you know, the, the framers of the Constitution, they uh, they knew what they were doing. And, and uh, you know, that importance of, of, a, of a free press, regardless of your political bent, it's not, this is not a political issue. It's uh, the importance of a free press and a democracy, independent free press that that uh, those things do not come to light. Uh, they, they don't happen. And so we are fortunate in Flo- the state of Florida where the uh, so-called sunshine laws are, are liberal, if you will, in our state. So we do have access to information, uh, public information in, uh, that, is, that helps, helps uh, if you're an investigative reporter. It, it, helps, it helps you find out things that others may not want you to find out. 
Hey, Tim, a couple of other things I want to ask you, and then uh, you've been a great guest today, and I'll let you go. But what uh, one of the things is that a lot of the successful people that I've talked to, they also have a habit of setting business and personal goals for themselves. Sometimes they do it annually. Sometimes it's quarterly. Sometimes it's uh, as needed. Have you gone through this process in your life of creating goals for what you would like your life to look like and then trying to accomplish those goals? I would say yes, but perhaps, well, I won't say perhaps, but I do know that or I would guess that my process might be more informal in some some cases in some years than 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 others. I absolutely definitely definitely shoot for I set I set goals, but I tend to set them more they're they're more aspirational and more more um, longer term. The shorter term, I, I tend to more like let let the kind of actions and results lead to where I'm trying to get to in those in those more more concrete stated aspirational goals. So if that if that makes sense, Carrie, um, I mean, I wanted to become a sports editor. Okay, well, to do that, I mean that 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 was a clear goal of mine way back when. But to do that, I certainly had had some some goals in the interim, but. I didn't put them all down on paper every year. I, I will, but I knew what I needed needed to do, and I assumed, or I hoped, that, like I said, the results uh, along the way would lead me to that to that longer term goal. Uh, again, I did not have publisher initially on my goal uh, uh, to, to aspire because I didn't. It just wasn't on the roadmap at the time. Like I mentioned, I didn't go to business school, so, but it did, however, start to. Start, started dropping in my in my mind as I as I moved forward in in my career at, at, at the newspaper. The other thing I would add to that is the importance of 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 goal setting with your team with your staff. That is one of the that, that's one of the lessons that that I learned along the way, and it's also something that that in the newspaper business historically way back when we weren't really great at doing that. But as the business changed and the, and the necessity to make sure that those, those goals, those short-term goals, those, for example, quarterly goals, annual goals, those, those were written in stone as, as our business became more challenged and, and our folks responded uh, greatly. So, so professionally, that was a, a huge part of how we operated. Again, some companies that had been doing that for years and years and years, right? It was in their DNA. It wasn't necessarily in, in, in the DNA of that frantic world of newspapers until the business necessity necessities kind of said, okay, we better lock it down a little bit more. Yep. Tim, before we go, just so that our listeners uh, know a little bit more about you, in addition to being a sports fanatic, are there some other hobbies that uh, you like to indulge yourself in? I do well. I mean, I, I think golf is uh, is one that's that's on the that's that's always at the top of the list. I got involved in the game way back when my first job at, in in newspapers in sports, working in Springfield, Missouri. That was the place, the home of Payne Stewart. So I got to know Payne Stewart very well. I covered Payne, and so I suddenly became more interested, involved in in the game itself. So I started playing it 
religiously back back then. So so golf is a favorite, uh, definitely is a favorite hobby. I will admit to uh, again growing up in Los Angeles and having gone to the to the racetrack with my family and my grandfather. Uh, I grew up loving the horses. Now, Santa I, Anita. Santa Anita, right? My oh, first high school place, right by there. Yeah, the, the great race place. But uh, so I enjoy the, I enjoy the horses, and it's not really it's it actually is not the gambling part of it. It's just it just takes me back to my childhood, and and there is there's something about it that that just makes me peaceful and happy. So yes. I enjoy I enjoy that. I will tell you one other one other hobby that as a kid many of us had growing up was with uh, collecting baseball cards. Well, the pandemic has been taking me into the closet, and out come the baseball cards. So I rekindled most recently, literally just in the last uh, two weeks, the the hobby or the passion. Again, it's more about taking me back and kindling what was a, a great. Uh, exercise and it wasn't about how much the cards are worth. Now of course I'm looking at my cards and going, what how much is that one worth? But uh mattingly so, rookie. Exactly. That, yeah. yeah. I, yeah. I, I, I've got all the 1980s tops baseball cards in a box in my garage. Yeah. And I think there's probably a hundred thousand other 50 year old guys, 50 exactly. something guys running around with the 1980s tops. Yes. Uh, when yes when huge. Yeah, that was the junk era where everybody tops had competition, so all the cards supply too many cards are out there. But uh, that was a recent uh, hobby I kind of rekindled. But uh, I'm I'm uh, uh, you know I know we share a, a common friend in Joe Starank, rather another really good friend in uh, in the in the golf business. So uh, so yeah, golf golf has been there for a long time for me. I I, I thoroughly love enjoying playing, watching uh, the the sport of golf. I will be having some great stories with Joe coming out on a podcast very soon where he tells some absolutely fantastic uh, stories about his uh, phenomenal career in the golf business. Yes. Thank, thank you for mentioning that. Last question. Tim, you've had a lot of people help you along the way. I've had a lot of people help me along the way. If you were a young person right now and you were thinking about getting into journalism, and you said, gee, someday I would like to run a publication, which may not be a print publication mm -hmm. uh, by the time they get to the, to the point where they're running it. But I'd like to run a publication. Or I'd like to be in journalism. What advice would you give to that person coming out of school right now to set their career in the right order? Well, your timing is uh, actually perfect. And literally, perhaps an hour before our conversation today, a a friend of my daughter's who is a senior uh, Columbia, I, he, I just talked to him for about an hour. He's asking me the, the same question really is what do I need to do? And you know, what, what is your advice? So what I told him was business challenges aside, this is an exciting and opportunistic time for a young journalist because a young journalist today comes with comes ready-made with those digital and technical skills, which, which are a must. So that's, that's something that I reinforced with him in terms of, you know, you want to be a journalist, yes. You want to write good stories, yes. You want to be a great reporter, yes. But, but you got to be able to have, you got to be the whole package. You have to come with you. In, a, in the most perfect of worlds, you can write code. You're a data geek. You know what all about data visualization. You, you can actually build from a technical standpoint 
supplemental material or content to go with the story that you just wrote and reported on. So that's that's a paramount in terms of what somebody needs to have today. A broad experience is, you know, I, I told him too, I said, the fact that you're not technically a journalism major, he's a creative writing and a history major, I think. I said, good for you. You don't, uh, you don't need to have a journalism degree. Uh, I said, but, but what, you know, what, what kind of, what kind of worker are you? Um, how, what are those, you heard that again, a cliche about soft skills. When I hire people, right. I, I'm going to assume, let's just assume they have, they have the smarts, but can they, can they collaborate? Can they, can they get along? Are they curious? Again, do they want to learn, continue to learn? Are they continuous, uh, continuous learners? Again, given the changes, the rapid changes in, in all businesses, not just journalism, how adaptive are you? You, you must be adaptable. And that whole broad range of experience, it's just bring that to the table because that's going to separate you from, from other journalists who think the way, that, the way to, to make it is to just focus on you know, one thing or one topic and be an expert here. That's not the way, the way to go. So I think those are some some uh, you, you know some key key points and of of advice that I literally just shared with this young man who I think will be uh, he's going to be very successful because he's a lot of those traits that I mentioned or requirements if you will at a young age um, he has. Well, Tim, I can't thank you enough. I've heard you interview quite a few other people. So I hope that I uh, lived up to uh, some level of those standards as an interviewer. You did, uh, and then some. Thank you. You've been a great guest today. Uh, look forward to my listeners hearing the Tim Burke story on the Business in Paradise podcast. And I thank you again. This is Carrie Stamp with the Business in Paradise podcast with my special guest today, Tim Burke of LRP Media Group. Thanks, Tim. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Business in Paradise Palm Beach podcast with Carrie Stamp, founder of Carrie Stamp and Company, Principal Wealth Advisors. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guests and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of the Commonwealth Financial Network. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Carrie Stamp & Company is located at 110 Bridge Road, Tequesta, Florida, 33469. Securities and advisory services offered through Commonwealth Financial Network member FINRA SIPC, a registered investment advisor.